just yep. that whole concept of, you know, the great game of life and, or is it great game? How do you the say great it? game of business is, is the, um, one of the systems of, of leadership that I really embrace and like, and I am a certified coach for great game, but I also coach just in general because it's not right for every company. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there are opportunities to, to become better leaders yeah. uh, that will still foster an incredible um, team. If you allow people to be their full selves when they, you, right. know, to, you know, not to have to bifurcate their life and say, okay, I'm at work. I can't think about anything at home. And for us to think that everything at home doesn't intersect with what we do at work mm -hmm. is not a very realistic idea. And I think, yeah. you know, nothing has driven that home more than all of us zooming from home during the pandemic. You know, oh, I mean, how, yeah, many people, right? how many conversations have you had where somebody's dog or their child or somebody came into the picture from outside of the conversation? Oh, yeah. We just made like professional calls to different companies we, you know, are dealing with like personally, right? In the mm -hmm. bank or whatever. And you can hear the little ones in the background. Yes. And it's like, how's your day going? Oh, pretty good. You know, just that those more human connections. And yeah. millennials have such a sense of humor. So some of these more millennial companies, you know, even like on stars, I think there's a sound on stars and it goes like, uh oh, or something like that. It's just funny. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I think the funniest, the funniest one I've had so far is yeah. that I was on the phone with someone. Um, it was a help desk for my cable company and the person had a rooster that was, and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon where I am, but who knows what time it was there. And yeah. the rooster was going off about every minute and a half for a oh. 45 minute call. No. <laughs> and it sounded like the rooster was, you know, in my house, it was so loud. Yeah, well, that's and the I thing, thought, the background noise is louder than the person talking to you, yeah. Exactly, it was pretty funny. But, you know, like just that. the reality of, of the pandemic and what that has brought home to leadership and to, you know, all of these companies said, oh, we can't have remote workers, you know, no, no, yeah. no, no, everybody needs to be at the office. And then the pandemic hits and it's like, oh, everybody needs to work from home. And all of a sudden in, you know, two and a half weeks or a month, we have figured out how to be remote and how to embrace people's, you yep. know, ability to work from home. And figured out and how I to think, reimagine. Hmm, how about mm -hmm. that? <laughs> exactly. So humble leadership to me is just that, you know, accepting that we can't always have the right answer. The, yeah. It may take a community to build that, you know, and we, if we are, there's, you know, there's sayings out there that say, you know, you're if you are in a, the smartest, if you are in a room and you are the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. And, and really understanding that um, being surrounded by others of wisdom is where you want to be rather than I'm a leader. So I know everything and I don't need anybody to contribute to that. It's, it's more of a um, openness to the value of all of the different people and what they bring to the table. Cool. Now, do you know the book, The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Shovel Shin? No. Oh, I wanted to tell you about that so bad and I forgot. It's like, okay, I'll just tell her on her interview, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Game of Life. Okay, I'm going to check the it out. The Game of Life and How to Play It. Okay. You'll enjoy that. I'm writing it much. down as yeah. we speak. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so the idea of like, we are perfectly imperfect. And I mean, that's like so much my lingo. Um, you know, it's like, 
we can be like, especially as women, all up in our heads and we aren't connected even to our heart. And it's like, we can literally float around outside of our bodies. So like get your soul into your body, get it down into your core where your physical strength is, you know, in your abdomen area. And um, some people call that like the second chakra. And that's interesting because like sex and money, power of the second chakra. That's one of my books. (laughs) I like it. Embodied woman, perfect in imperfection. So tell us more about your idea of perfectly imperfect. Mm. Well, I would say that perfectly imperfect is about acceptance and about seeing our flaws and not letting the voice of the inner critic make us um, uh, bashful or afraid of admitting our flaws, you know, or seeing them and recognizing that, oh, that's okay. Um, There's two things that jump to my mind. And one is that I think um, I, I was in a circle that the book, uh, the, the five principles of human performance was discussed. And it's um, a book that was written for the manufacturing industry. But there's a, there's a statistic that came out of that book, which hit me between the eyes, which is the average human being makes six mistakes an hour. And I, in, in the context of manufacturing or in their job. And I thought, holy mackerel, if I had known that, growing up, I would have allowed myself a little more room for imperfection, but I was a perfectionist. And I, and even in my parenting, I was a perfectionist, always trying, you know, and the second thing that comes to mind is, you know, uh, saying that I read about criticism and that when you criticize a child, they don't learn to hate you. They don't hate you. They learn to hate themselves. And and I think in my heart of hearts, that that has lived in my life, that has lived in my heart. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I've had people say to me, oh, you're so hard on yourself. And, you know, they obviously saw that that strong drive of inner critic in me. And I think that, you know, it's taken me 50 some odd years on this planet to recognize that some of the programming that we receive about being the best we can be, can be, be have a double-edged sword to it. And that, yeah. you know, reaching for the stars is, is a good thing, but when you hold yourself to impossible um, standards like sure. perfection, mm-hmm. then you are kind of setting yourself up to always be disappointed in yourself, even when Absolutely. you do things that are beyond you know, that are great. And, and so perfectly imperfect to me is acceptance. Ah, I love it. Very cool. Did you see Andrea Sanchez post on the word flossom? Oh, yes, I did. Oh, that was great, right? (laughs) Yes, it really, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. You know, we just have to accept that, you know, we're flawed human beings. And, you know, that's okay. Yep. That's, that's I think it. it was the Kennedy family that like, if you didn't bring some new knowledge to the dinner table, you were in trouble. And there, there was another family that if you didn't bring at least one story of failure for your day, you were in trouble. I love that. They only wanted to hear like how you failed. Mm. 
I mean, it depends on it depends on how it was received. But I think the lesson in that is that we all fail, and and that was the idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because then the kids saw how much further and faster they could go. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved it. And you only fail when you are moving forward. You only fail when you're doing something new. You only fail when you're outside of your comfort zone. That's true. If you don't ever push the boundary, you never know. Never. Yeah. Oh, and the story that comes up for me is um, <laughs> my, um, I guess it would be like more like my dad's cousin, but, you know, it was one of those weird things. So older parents, and she was actually more my age. So we had babies real close together. She had hers first and she did not let this baby fall. Like it would be walking around furniture. She'd be like right there. And this baby got, you know, babies, they get fat. They get, it just got bigger and bigger. And it was a pretty big baby and didn't know how to fall. Mm-hmm. And it was more independent now and she couldn't keep up. And this baby was getting hurt. And it's like, wow. Right. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> How are you going to, to, you know, have the skills to fail if you aren't failing? And my kids were really smart. And so they didn't really fail much at all. And so when we start like a new game or something like that, a board game or whatever, you know, they'd lose. And somebody's got to lose, right? And I, I did play games with them where there was no winning and losing when they were little which maybe mm. wasn't the best idea after all. Oh man, the fits that would go on, you know? So then I, all of a sudden it's like, I get to teach my kids how to fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, somebody didn't win, then, you know, we laughed about it. And yeah, that was interesting. And they got so much better. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, that was good. All it's right. like uh, the helicopter mom and the, um, yeah. you know, the, the, the concept of cocooning your child as a parent. And I think, you know, our world is such that it's, it's a requirement really to, to do a little cocooning because the, it, when they're little, little, but as they get older, teams. yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, you know, that the media in general, where, however they get it, you know, yeah. um, but the, but the reality is they also need to learn to navigate and understand mm-hmm. that they can't trust every single thing they th- see, think, or, you know, or feel, yeah, or, you know, experience. And, and so I think that there's a happy medium in, in that parenting. And I like to describe yeah. it as, you know, I tell my kids, like, you know, when you were little, you had a playpen and, and you had freedom within the playpen, you know, and then you, oh, and then like you it. got a little bit, a little bit more and a little bit more room and a little bit yeah. more space. And now, and, and idea that my job was to get you to, you know, adulthood without making a mistake that you could not survive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, as long as, you were, you know, able to explore and, you know, see how things happened and experience the world without the, f- the fear that you will die because of your choice. Yeah. It is a good thing for you to learn the consequences of your choices. Yeah. And I don't know that everybody shares that idea, but that's kind of, you know, has worked really well for me because I have three really independent, really autonomous sons yeah. that, 
um, you know, at all of them at the, in their own way have broken free of the mother mold. And we've had that conversation of, you know, I'm, look, I'm not trying to control you. I'm trying to say, I've lived on this planet like 30 plus more years than you have. Cause I had my first son when I was 30. Um, so just take a little bit of, uh, a moment and listen to maybe 30 years more perspective Ooh, and say, I'll consider it mom. And then go do whatever you choose to do. I respect your right to live your own life, but I love you. And I can't turn off the, I'm going to run in front of a train for you if you need it because I'm your mom, you know? So, so you just, need it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're, if a train is coming after you and I can save you, I will do it because I love you. I'll throw myself in front of it, you know, to save you. But, but I'm not going to, I'm not trying to control you. I'm trying yeah. to, you know, give you the benefit of my wisdom right. and experience my, of my mistakes and my choices in life that I didn't like the outcomes of. Yeah. And then, but you get to evaluate all that. And all, all you have to say to me is mom, I'll consider it and oh. then just go and do what nice. you want. That's and so it was good. a, it was a real pivotal moment because, yeah. uh, you know, before that, you know how teenagers are, they're battling against you because they want totally. that independence. Yeah. So yeah, it was a great. And they're so ADHD, ADHD at that age as well, <laughs> crazy hormones, and their brain, their brain. Well, two-year-old's brain is is super disorganized in its wiring because it, it's like overwired, and then it prunes, and that's exactly what's going on in the teenage brain. And then the teenage, right. yeah, the the two-year-old's brain is pruning for organization. The teenager's brain is pruning for job you know, what they're going to do in life kind of thing mm-hmm. or um, whatever that word is. Yeah. So oh, I love that letting go of ego. I kind of had a different spin with, well, especially my son, it was the whew, so much behavior, you know, but um, yeah, one day I had him by the throat. It, he, it was the tip of the iceberg and he was like, too. You got to know, like when I signed him up for preschool, it was two and a half. And as I left the house thinking it was sleeping, it was throwing vaporizers out the window. We happened to have two vaporizers. He happened to get into the attic. Yeah, it was serious. And one day I like, I just, it went right over the top. I had him by the throat. I started to squeeze. And then all of a sudden I just threw my arm down and I went, you are not worth going to jail for. <laughs> so like, I kind of broke that cord a lot earlier on than you. <laughs> oh yeah. We, you know, it goes back to the Irish check part of me. Yeah. There was definitely some, uh, some yeah, words exchanged. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I go to like, we got to the point where um, we were going to play group. And he was sitting under the slide throwing sand in all the kids' faces. Like, that's all he could manage that day. And I remember going home and the two of us sitting on the steps crying. <laughs> Just like, it was so hopeless. <laughs> it was insane. Oh, it was constant. And if I had had the energy, as I had a second one only two years later, right? So mm-hmm. if I had had the energy... I could have run my home like a preschool and he would probably been fine. And when I did sign him up for preschool, I had already taken him to a, uh, uh, like a child development center and had him assess and wrote this thick packet of paper, giving it to the gal around the 
preschool and she goes, you know, I'm not going to give this to the teacher. I, I will if I need to, but I usually just hang on to this stuff and we see how it goes. And I'm like, that is so education, you know, like nothing preventive, right? And I'm like, whatever, my background's special ed. So, and that doesn't fly with me. Well, anyways, it worked out. He had a uh, preschool teacher from Sri Lanka and five little boys in the class. And that was it. And he wow. was an angel for her. Well, both my kids, we called it company behavior. They were really good. <laughs> I got it yes. all. Right? And so anyways, he gets in the car with his like little preschool papers and he turns to his little baby sister and he goes, here, Amy, you want to rip them up? Because he knew she liked ripping things at that age. Like, Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> we don't need your papers. <laughs> we just I need you out of the house for a few hours. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> all right so any more on letting go of ego uh you know I think it is all about not needing to be the person with all the answers and being Ah. open to what other people bring to the table Mm -hmm. and you know not necessarily that you have to do everything that someone else suggests and that makes it better but so that everybody has the feeling that they have been heard and that they have contributed and we've right. considered it and given, you know, a, a, a good thought to what they have presented. I love it. And when you're an ego, you're not connected. Um, and you're really thinking about things that are the negatives about other people, which are the things that don't connect us. And like, especially in depression, it's it's all about what what's wrong, what's not working, blah, blah, blah. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's about connecting soul to soul and heart to heart. It's important, isn't it? Go ahead. Yes, I was just going to say, I think it just is also about being a whole person that doesn't need affirmation from outside to recognize your value in the the equation. Yeah, doing your inner work is the only mm -hmm. way to get to that place. Yep. Yep. And then you know who you are and you're not dealing with imposter syndrome. That's another Mm -hmm. piece of at least not in the moment (laughs) great I love it I mean I think I would be dishonest to say that we you know every moment of every day I think oh yeah I can do this I've got this you know it's well then you just step into your alter ego like for me I just get some tight pants on because then I'm back in my dancer tights I can do anything I can get on stage I can dance I can sing I can talk to people (laughs) yeah I was listening to a, someone else speak recently and they were talking about when you're little and somebody asks you, what are you going to be when you grow up? You know, the world is your oyster. You could, I'm going to be president. I'm going to be yeah. this. I'm, I'm going to be superwoman, whatever it is. And, or wonder woman. And you, your superpowers are real and possible and right there at you. And then as we get older, we start to, you know, as you were talking about, you know, reconnecting, rewiring the brain, we start to limit our, you know, ideals into what we think is possible mm-hmm. and what we think we can do. Yeah. And so then we start to say, you know, when somebody asks you in high school or college, what are you going to do mm-hmm. for your career? What, what, what are you, where are you going? What does your future look like? Start right. to be a very hard question to answer because you yeah. have limited so many different things, mm-hmm. and then 
I almost feel like as we go through life, it's a process of realizing that it's not about what we think we can't do. It's about what we think we can do and that we have, we have to almost go back to that mindset of a small child and say, okay, what, what brings joy? What brings um, deep fulfillment and lean into that Mm -hmm. instead of um, meeting the practical application? At least that's been my journey. I mean, some people are wise beyond their years and they figure that out way earlier than I did, but I think that it is, you know, has been my journey to go back and say, okay, what, what is deeply fulfilling? What is that thing? And it all comes down to helping people, you know, for me, it's that interpersonal human relationship and how, how that fits into life Mm -hmm. um, on any level, but specifically in the context of leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And you were saying the wording, I think, like what I think I should do, you know, at the mm-hmm. college age. And there's seven lies we tell ourselves. And one of them is, I think, because it's not true when you're fully embodied, you know, and walking at the level of your soul is how I say it, then mm-hmm. you don't use I think you use I know, because intuitively, we do, right? So yeah. and that's just okay. another place like we're now really walking in ego by the time we get to college. That's true. And I, you know, Alicia Keys um, has been uh, on a, on a speaking tour because of her book and she had a conversation with a couple, I've heard it now twice and it's about her resounding. Yes. And, you know, that evolution between being a teenager and then being a world on the world stage, like overnight, because she was on Oprah, and then having at that young age, feeling like everybody else knows better what she should be doing and how she should do it. So she'll just kind of go with the flow and let these other people steer her life. Right. And then at some point, she kind of, you know, put her head up and thought, I don't really agree with all this. And this isn't really feeling comfortable. And so she had the luxury, as she says, of calling Oprah and asking her, you know, how do you figure this out? And Oprah said, no one knows you better than you. And that really stuck with her. And so she was able to find her voice and really then started to think about alignment in terms of what is like we've all had that moment where somebody asks you something to do something to go somewhere to you know to to um, apply for something whatever and you have that resounding yes like Mm -hmm. in your whole body you know yes hell yes this is what I want picking out an apartment or a house you walk through that threshold or even see it online you know or Mm -hmm. drive by and you're like that's it exactly and and so she's kind of using that as her um, pivotal uh, decision making in that when someone asks her and she doesn't have the resounding yes, uh, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, let me check my schedule or I yeah. don't know or what. If yeah. those are the things that pop up, then it's really a no. Yeah. And, and, you know, being able to navigate her life from the position of a resounding yes. And that really resonated with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Her life is, if you put her next to Enya, it's like night and day. It is the coolest thing to study her life. I I um, heard her Alicia Keys reading from her book. Oh, 
that was like so powerful and mm -hmm. and then and yeah there's like a documentary on youtube jennifer beats put it out for her her um weekly post one week oh my gosh yeah like Enya just like where whatever happened to Enya nothing like she's just rocking it but she 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 doesn't feel she has to like be out there to be successful and she is and she doesn't it is so beautiful that kind of drastic comparison like mm -hmm. do it your way it will yep. work yeah mm -hmm. I love it okay so being open to the wisdom mm -hmm. of others yeah, so Alicia got in trouble doing that. And then there's a flip side on that in humble leadership. So tell us more. Well, I just, I think that, you know, her resounding yes is calling on her inner leadership. And I yeah, think man. that when when we talk about the leader within, yeah. um, we have to have the right um, perspective. And that is, you know, when you are in your ego, you need to be the smartest person in the room. You're not open to the wisdom of others and you are, are expecting perfection of yourself mm -hmm. and, and consequently of all those around you. Right. But when you invert that and you are going from a position of humility and openness, you are, it doesn't mean that you lean in and accept all of the wisdom of other people, but it, is, right. it means that you're willing to take it in. Just like yeah. I heard Alicia Keys and her resounding yes story, and it went, yeah, that's what I'm, that's, that's what, I, those are the words to my thoughts and feelings. Cool. And I think that um, that's what I mean by uh, humble leadership and yeah. is that you lead, you know, you have your feet firmly on the ground mm -hmm. and you are willing to, um, explore and be curious about those things that drive you yeah and and then also those things where you look back and go kind of didn't do that right yeah and but not with that punitive mm -hmm. oh, I'm such a failure right 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 yeah and you know in my world there's like being humble and then there's like fake humility and I know you don't you know have that kind of this and that so tell me more, someone brings up the term fake humility. How do you see that? I, the word that pops right in my head is manipulation. Okay. And, um, you know, there are people that study different ways of leading with the sole purpose of manipulating the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, true organic leadership is about lifting and developing other people through right. a process of, you know, mutual education, you yeah. know, getting, you know, hum based in, in the value of trust and respect. Yeah. And no threat, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're truly a humble leader, then you know who you are and you don't have a sense of threat. You don't have a sense of, you know, um, what's the word? What the word I want. It's like, you're collaborating you're not competing yeah so you don't have this threat of competition you're very open to collaboration mm -hmm. <laughs>